Welcome to the Mama Sisterhood. I'm Heather Evans. When my twins were born at 24 weeks gestation, I began to think about the uniqueness of each of our motherhood journeys. I also began to understand the importance of education and support from other moms, no matter how different our lives may be. Each episode will highlight one mother's journey and the lessons she has learned on this crazy path we call life. I'm so happy to have you here. Welcome to the Mama Sisterhood. Welcome back to the Mama Sisterhood today. I am really, really excited for this interview. I have Jesse Bachman with me. Hi, Jesse. Hi. I am going to let you kind of give your own introduction. So you can you tell us just a little bit about yourself, where you live, and your family? Sure. Um, I'm Jesse Bachman. Like Heather said, I live in uh, Southern California. I have two daughters, um, age three and age, well, three and a half and one. And I'm married to my husband, Jacob. And our story, I actually found Jesse's story by listening to another podcast. So I will credit the Extraordinary Moms podcast out there, which is another great one if you're looking for one. Um, And because of your second daughter's very unique birth story. So I'm going to let you tell us just a little bit about your daughters and then how, how that all worked out. And then we'll really get into your second daughter's story. Sure. So I have, like I mentioned, I have two daughters, one who just walked in the room, (laughs) (laughs) um, but two daughters, my husband and I started doing IVF in 2014, um, uh, with an IUI, we had an ectopic pregnancy. After that, we went straight to IVF. We did two rounds of um, uh, egg retrievals, and then we did 10 embryo transfers, none of which worked. And so at this point in time, um, we decided to pursue surrogacy um, as I have a tumor on my Mm -hmm. pituitary gland that prevented me from, from ever getting pregnant. Um, So at that point in 2018, we decided to ship four of our embryos to Ukraine because Ukraine has an international surrogacy program that was priced a little um, less than what it costs in the United States to do surrogacy. Right. So we shipped our embryos over and then our first daughter was born in Kiev in 2019. Okay. We transferred two other uh, embryos after that. One was a failed transfer and one was ended in a 10 week miscarriage. And then our last um, remaining embryo in Ukraine, we transferred. Um, we we transferred in June of two thousand um, twenty one, which resulted luckily in a viable pregnancy. Awesome. And uh, she was born in Kiev on February twenty second, twenty twenty two. So when your second daughter was born, that's when your story gets extra exciting. So why don't you kind of take us through that journey of when you went to Ukraine and your surrogate was having the baby and what all was happening during that time? So um, about in January of 2022, Christmas to the beginning of the year, um, we started hearing the media reports of the Russian troops were um, lining up along the, the border of Ukraine. Mm-hmm. And at this point, you know, we started getting increasingly uh, nervous about the 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 uh, political situation in that part of the country. Sure. 
my husband and I were growing um, increasingly concerned about the uh, political situation along the border of um, Ukraine and Russia, as were our families. Mm-hmm. And we had been in contact with the State Department um, about the situation. And they told us, though, that not to go, that they didn't recommend that we were to go to Ukraine. Okay. And we, you know, responded, it's not really an option. We're having a baby. Right. Um, we will be in Ukraine. So we just need to let you know that we will be over there. Mm-hmm. So on February 11th, we got an email from the surrogacy agency saying that they may induce our, our surrogate on Valentine's Day, which was February 14th. Okay. And my husband and I were like, okay, good. The sooner, the better. So we got on the next, the flight the next day to fly to, to keep. And we arrived on the 13th of February, which is the day they closed the airport. So we were one of the last plane rides in to uh, Kiev before the airport was closed. Oh my goodness. Um, Because even the airlines were concerned about the Russian invasion. Mm -hmm. So my husband and I get there, um, you know, Monday morning comes, they decide not to introduce a surrogate. And it was the weirdest situation in the world because we're here. We are in this, you know, uh, major metropolitan area, you know, Mm -hmm. in, in Eastern Europe. And it's completely business as usual. Mm. And it was kind of like we're living in a twilight zone because we're reading the, you know, media reports, uh, you know, from England, from the United States. And everyone's like, Russia is is poised to invade. And like we look around and it was completely like nothing was going on. Really? And it was, yes, everyone was at the grocery store, at cafes, um, you know, taking their kids to the park. Um, so like I said, our daughter was born on the 22nd of February, which was a Tuesday. And that weekend, my husband and I went on this long walk. It was a Sunday. Um, we went to church over there. Uh, he's Catholic and they have a Catholic, they have a nice Catholic cathedral. Mm-hmm. So we went to church and then we walked, we were walking along the river and it was a beautiful, like almost spring-like day. Mm-hmm. And we walked, the Soviet blocks have a lot of parks which okay. is um interesting and there were there were hundreds of kids at the parks and I remember telling my husband I'm like it's very confusing to me to see all these children at a park right now because as a parent if I thought Russia was going to invade I think I would try to leave the country I would too yeah and it was almost as if Nobody thought it was going to happen. Okay. But based on like, you know, all the media reports, it seemed imminent. Mm-hmm. So um, on Tuesday, they in, finally induced our surrogate. Mm-hmm. My mom was, all our whole family was just on pins and needles. Like our sisters, our parents, you know, all our friends, they're like, mm-hmm. you've got to get the baby and get out. Right. So we kept asking, our daughter was measuring very big. Our surrogate was who we met and had lunch with because mm-hmm. she was a very kind, she's a very kind person. Um, she was definitely ready to, mm-hmm. <laughs> to go into labor. Yeah. Um, so we kept asking the agency because their daughter was healthy and the surrogate was healthy. She was already dilated. We we're like, can you please just induce this a little bit, you know, mm-hmm. move this along so we can get out at this point, the U S embassy had closed in Kiev. So in order to get her birth certificate, 
at this point, we knew we were going to have to go to Lviv, which is in the Western part of Ukraine okay. to get her passport. Okay. And you're technically you can't leave a country without a passport. Okay. And so technically you can't, but I'll get to that in a minute. Okay. Okay. And so, so anyway, they wouldn't induce our circuit. And oh my gosh. it was like, please just like, she needs to go home to her family too. Right. It wasn't right. just all about us. It was like, she has two girls. She has a husband. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, let's move this along. But anyway, so our daughter was born on the 22nd, the 23rd, we went to the, the counselor's off, not the, the, the registrar's office, if you will, in Ukraine mm-hmm. to get our daughter's birth certificate. Um, because you have to have a birth certificate, Ukrainian birth certificate in order to get your U S passport and counselor report a birth abroad, which is what that is. Okay. And, um, once you get a counselor report of birth abroad, you can get your social security number and your U S citizenship. Okay. Um, so anyway, that next day, the 23rd, we did that. And then that night, um, the baby, we brought formula from the United States that my oldest daughter had eaten and didn't have a problem with, but the whole time we could get that baby, our baby, the formula, she kept throwing it up. Mm. And so I had my husband go across the street to get more formula, European formula from the grocery store, which was across 24 hour grocery store across the street from the hospital. And, but that night I had a, I just had a really bad feeling about things just because I'm like, we've got to get out of this country. Like this just can't, nothing good's going to happen. And I couldn't sleep that whole night. And, you know, I think part of it was, you know, having a new baby, but it was also like, I just knew something bad was going to happen. Um, so that morning at 6am, I was actually awake. Um, I was texting one of my friends in California and I heard explosions go off because the hospital that, um, we were, that we were staying in with the baby that the baby was born in our baby, um, was close to the airport. And so I heard all these explosions. And so I woke up my husband, I was like, or actually I got up and climbed up on the windowsill and I was trying to look out over the buildings Mm -hmm. to see if I could see where the, see if I could see fire. And my husband woke up and he's like, what are you doing? I was like, I just heard explosions. And then some more went off and I'm, he's like, Oh God. And I'm like, I'm going to text the driver right now. Cause I already arranged a driver to come to drive us to Lviv, Mm -hmm. um, that day, but he was going to come at noon. Okay. So I was like, I'm going to text the driver to see if he'll come get us early or if he's still coming. Mm-hmm. And my husband's like, okay, well, I'm going to go get more formula at the grocery store. I'm like, okay. Yeah. And get water because you have to have water. Sure. <laughs> sure. Too. Oh, that's so and terrifying. I know it was, it was wild. And so my husband, I text the driver, um, the driver's like, no, I'm no longer going to come because I didn't think he was because he had a pregnant wife too, oh, who's 20 okay. weeks pregnant. Okay. Um, because he had been driving us um, from the airport and stuff like that mm-hmm. during the, the trip. The driver's wife is 20 weeks pregnant. So I had a feeling he was going to say he couldn't come and he mm-hmm. did. And I, I asked him, I was like, well, can you see if you can find another driver? Like mm-hmm. we really want to leave. And so he found us another driver and he's like, the driver will be there at seven 30. Okay. So I was like, okay, well, it's like 6.20 now, I'll get in the shower. And then I packed, you know, fed the baby, all that kind of stuff. My husband had gotten back. And uh, at this point in time, the nursing staff was kind of aware that we were leaving. 
and they didn't want us to leave because the doctor had come, hadn't come to see the baby that morning. Okay. And in Ukraine, they say in the house for the normal stay, they say about two days Mm -hmm. or three days. Our new driver shows up and he's driving probably like a 1992 um, Audi A4 that had like one door that was like um, off. And I'm like, wow, we're going to drive. Oh my gosh. Because how long? <laughs> it, off, but it was like refurbished. So how long, because how long did that take to get from, or were you expecting it to take to get from the hospital to where you were going? So I thought it was going to take six to eight hours to get oh my to get to the Polish border. Okay. I'm like, okay, we can, we'll be okay for six to eight hours. And we actually had a car seat okay. that I had gotten when we first arrived because I was like, I had a, because when the U S embassy closed, I knew that we were going to have to drive to Lviv, which is quite a journey. So I was able to secure a car seat for us. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And so, um, anyway, so we get in the car and we start driving out of Kiev. And it was like literally at 7.30, an explosion started right at 6 a.m. Oh it was a gosh. mass exodus of people. So it was, it took us five hours to get out of the city alone. Oh, and the wow. city, Yeah, the city is like 2.4 million. Uh-huh. So, um, so it's not like a huge city. Yeah. But it's, um, it was packed. And it was the craziest thing because so many people were lined up at ATMs, uh-huh. gas stations. So they really just had no, they really thought it wasn't going to happen. They and really thought it was going to happen. Wow. Because the lines for gas stations were like football fields long. Oh my the, goodness. the, um, the lines for ATM were wrapped around blocks. Oh people gosh. were carrying drugs and jugs of water and that's exactly what my husband said. He's like, nobody thought this was going to happen mm-hmm. and nobody did because I mean, you should have just seen these people's faces. I saw a man as we were on the outskirts of the city, he was just carrying a cat. Aww. I know it was so sad because all these animals and I'm like, I'm like, where is he carrying that cat to? Like it didn't have a collar. It didn't have a leash. It, yeah. I don't I know if he had food in his backpack yeah. You know, all that stuff. That is sad. I know it was, it, you know, it's just sad. And then I, I think of that cat, mm-hmm. you know, every now and again, because I'm like, I wonder whatever happened. I'm sure you couldn't carry it the whole time. Yeah. 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 But so we finally got to a place um, where traffic stopped and that was about, so we left at seven 30 in the morning and we finally got to a place where traffic stopped um, that night about 1.30 a.m. Oh, my goodness. And that was, we still weren't even, we had just gotten through Lviv. And my husband had was able to have correspondence with the U.S. Embassy through his email. Okay. Um, the whole time we were in the car. Mm-hmm. And they're like, okay, now because of the Russian invasion of Ukraine, the embassy in Lviv is no longer no longer open. So what the U S embassy personnel were doing, they were driving in from Poland to Lviv every day. Okay. And then opening a makeshift embassy in like a red roof end. And, um, so then my husband told the driver who was great. He was so nice. Didn't speak any English, only spoke (laughs) Russian. 
So <laughs> we use Google Translate to talk to him a little bit. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> Thank goodness then, for Google Translate. Yeah. And then at one point I asked my husband too, like we had so much kindness, like during this like whole journey. At one point I asked my husband, I'm like, because we could speak English freely because he didn't know what we were saying. I'm like, Jacob, I don't know why this driver is still driving us. Like he, every now and then he'd have somebody call his phone to sound mm-hmm. like his wife mm-hmm. who was yelling at him. Oh yeah. Like to get home probably on speakerphone, like yelling at oh, him. No. And you could, you could tell. So if I was the wife, what I would be saying is, you know, what the heck are you doing? Right. Why are you leaving get me? Get home. You, yeah. Get home. Stop driving these people, mm-hmm. you know? And I, I don't know why he drove us. And I think that maybe he drove us just because we had, you know, a little bitty baby, but. Yeah. And how was your baby doing baby. during this whole long drive? So during the drive, she was, she was such a good baby. <laughs> she would just like, you know, I'd hold her, you know, that newborn. Yeah. Yeah. Sleep good. Good. About but the majority of the time I was actually holding her because our driver was actually, oh my God, he was so crazy. <laughs> like he was cutting people off, like going through potholes mm-hmm. the whole time. I thought we were running out of gas. I was like, oh, no. and every gas station we passed, he would never pull in because his car was a diesel car and oh. not all the gas stations had most, some of them had diesel, but some of them didn't. We drove for eight hours without getting gas. And really? Yeah. Yeah. He, what he did because when we got finally got to the gas, actually, we drove longer than eight hours. We drove, we filled up in Lviv. So we drove, we got to Lviv about midnight. So he drove from set. This is crazy. He drove from 730 to midnight. This um, is, it doesn't even sound real. Without getting is, gas. Without getting gas. But what he had was he had a bladder in his car. Oh. Full, like yeah. Extra container gas. of gas. Yeah. And so. He kept turning over to uh, like, um, I don't even know how he did this, but he kept, there was another gas thing, like side of his car that fed into the, to the gas tank. Wow. Yeah. So a highly flammable vehicle. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and I just, that, I mean, that's just so lucky that that's who your driver ended up being when everyone else was waiting in those crazy long lines at the gas station hours and we saw as we continued our drive there were cars without gas yeah everywhere just run out yeah oh my gosh so I mean it's just you know like the things that could have gone wrong on this trip were like numerous and Mm -hmm. you know you know I just I don't know how we got so fortunate that you know like have a car, have a nice man who didn't drop us off the side of the road. Mm-hmm. And he had a car that had a reserve gas tank in it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, um, and he was nice, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and I still talk to him, which is Oh, you funny. do. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Um, he, he sent my dad was, I talked to him like on holidays and stuff. And then mm-hmm. I talked to him like, you know, a couple of times after that but um I reached out to him recently and he's like his car broke down so I know so I sent him I sent him uh, you know some money if I because I could at that point I love I love such an that's such an unlikely friendship 
I know across the world. I love that. I know. And then I have, I took a picture of, of him and my husband and the baby before. Well, this is getting a little ahead of myself, but he was uh, very, yeah. he bought it. Yeah. Like we stopped at a gas station he came back and had like these really greasy donuts. Mm-hmm. It was very nice of him, but they were mm-hmm. like dripping in grease. And I was oh like, my gosh, I need this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When you're stressed out, it's hard to eat. Right. For sure. <laughs> Oh, what a kind man. I, know I like those so- stories. You hear so many bad stories. I like to hear those stories. I know it's, it's true. Um, but then the next morning they closed the road down. That's why traffic stopped. And then the next morning they opened up the road. Um, and it was funny because where they closed down the road, my husband's Catholic. There was, you know, I said that earlier, but we were stopped right beside like this lit up statue of Mary. Mm. And he was like, it was good for him because he could like, because it was freezing cold. It was probably 10 degrees. And so we slept in shifts because I'm like, I hope we don't get carbon monoxide poisoning. Okay. That's what I was going to say. You slept in the car. Yeah. We slept in the car. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Slept. I slept first holding the baby next to me because it was so cold. And then, um, or no, I gave the baby to my husband so I could sleep. Mm-hmm. Stayed up and held the baby. Mm-hmm. Didn't suffocate or, yeah. you know, horrible. And then the next, I slept for like two hours. Val slept for like four. And mm-hmm. then my husband slept for probably another two. So we kind of mm-hmm. slept in, me and my husband shifts and we let Val sleep a little longer. He needed to. Yeah. And then the next morning, traffic started moving again. We, it was 9.30 in the morning. So we kind of moved a little bit from 7 to 9.30. Mm-hmm. And then at 9.30, traffic hit a complete stop. And my husband was looking on the map, and it just looked like traffic was jammed the whole way, like as far as you could see. And now is at this point, you're still trying to get to the place to get the um, birth certificate? We're just trying to get across to Poland. Oh, you're just trying to get across yeah. Poland. Okay, okay. There was, um, the U S embassy had closed down. So we had to cross into Poland to get to Warsaw or okay. cross into Poland to go to Warsaw where the U S embassy was in, okay. in Warsaw. So the first step, we were just trying to get across to Poland. Once we got to Poland, we could regroup, get a place to stay, eat food, which right. we didn't, mm-hmm. we had food for the baby, but we had, we had food for us, but it's not like you had greasy donuts. Yeah, we, yeah, and we had I think we had some granola bars and stuff too but it wasn't you know when you're going through this stressful situation you're just not hungry mm-hmm. and you had enough formula your husband had gone to the store and gotten enough formula that's yeah. recovered so far yeah and we he got two big things of it and you know baby's only like two or three ounces mm-hmm. so we had we had probably enough formula to last us, you know, five days or six and enough, or di- enough diapers and all those things too. Okay, yeah. Good. Mm-hmm. Good. Yeah. We had enough of that stuff. So, and then, so we're looking at this and I, at nine 30 morning, we just come to complete stop. And I look at my husband, I'm like, we, we look at how far we were from the border mm-hmm. via the map function mm-hmm. on the iPhone. Cause we, Jacob, my husband still had cell phone service. And he was like, we're eight miles away. I'm like, I looked at him. I'm like, we're going to have to get out and walk. I was like, this car's not moving. Mm-hmm. None of these cars had moved, you know, for like 
we'd move like maybe, you know, a hundred feet in like an hour and a half. I was like, all these cars are trying to get across the border. And we were like, people are just walking by us to get out of the country. I'm like, you know, Jacob, we're just going to have to get out and walk. Cause if we don't get out and walk, I was like, we're going to have to sleep in this car again tonight. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, like, there's no gas stations. Like I know Val has enough gas, but like how many days is this going to be if we're right. going at this? Day? So, um, my sister lives in New York, lived in New York city. So she sent me when she had her daughter, she, they wear them kind of underneath the, the down coat and on a baby carrier when it's cold in the winter for mm-hmm. little. And so she had sent me her coat and we had the same baby carrier that we use for our oldest daughter. And so I put the baby in the baby carrier. We wrapped her up. Um, Cause keep in mind, this is February in Eastern European country. Like it's was- below, below freezing, you know? Yeah. yeah. Luckily the day was sunny. It wasn't raining. I, if it was raining, we couldn't, have, we would have had to stay in the car. So we got our bags and which we probably should, in retrospect, we probably should just left our bags then because we lost everything at the border. Um, but my husband and I started walking, I mean, but while we were walking, I mean, there were cars everywhere, like people, cars just blocking the road, people blocking each other. Like we would go through these towns and nobody could get through. I don't know how traffic even cleared up now. It was so Mm -hmm. congested. And so we're walking through trucks with all this diesel and exhaust. And I'm like, this is awful. And then I didn't have gloves. I couldn't find my gloves. So my, we were, Jacob and I were warm because we were walking, but we had to stop and check the baby and I couldn't touch her and I couldn't unwrap her because my hands were so cold that we would just have to stop and wait and make sure she was breathing. And then we stop every couple hours. The walk took us about we left the car at nine thirty, and we got to the border at about two thirty. No, we got there at twelve thirty. Yeah, mm-hmm. we got there at twelve thirty, wow. and we got to the border. And um, luckily, my husband and I exercised because he was carrying. We we're carrying water bottles, backpack, formula. He was carrying two suitcase. But at the end of the trip, um he was getting, he was getting really tired because he had pulled our suitcases mm-hmm. at, for the whole time. And it wasn't like he could pull our suitcase in a straight line because how cars were stacked up against each other. You'd have to go around and through and mm-hmm. over at some points. But at the end of our trip, um, the border, we got to the end of the spot between, and it was like a buffer zone and probably like a mile and a half where they stopped letting cars pass. So only pedestrians could pass at this point. And so the roads were wide open. So it was easier to pull, but these Algerian students came up and they asked my husband, they're like, do you want us to help carry your bags for you? Oh, I know. And they were, they were probably like 20, you know, they were young. And my husband at first was like, no, I'm fine. And I look at him like, you've been carrying those for like six miles. I was like, let these, let these kids help you. They volunteered. And so they carried our bags to the border for like the last probably mile and a half. That's good. That's really nice. Yeah, It was really nice. And the baby was, baby was great. She didn't like squawk. She 
just, you know, we fed her every so often, you know, every mm-hmm. couple, uh, every so often I could not change her diaper though. Cause it was frigid. Mm-hmm. So we made the decision. I was like, I told my husband, I was like, if I take her out of her, her rep, cause she's wearing her pajamas, her socks, another pair of pajamas. Then she was in like a little baby onesie mm-hmm. warm outfit. And then she's wrapped in like two blankets because that's how cold it was. And then she was in my blanket and under my overcoat. Um, I was like, if I take her out, I'm like, I'm afraid she'll, she'll die, you know? Because at this point she's only how many days old? Two. Two days old. Oh yeah. And so, um, so we finally get to the border and my husband and I are feeling like very relieved because we're like, oh, we're almost there. And little did we know, like, this was like the worst part of the whole trip. Um, it was just so, so much desperation just to get out so much unknown people were pushing, people were fighting, like yelling at each other. Like there were so many kids there, kids and moms were crying. Like, oh, it was just awful. And so we get there at about 1230 and, um, you know, we get Jacob and I kind of cut in line and I feel bad doing that, but I I didn't feel bad because I'm the only one who had a two day old baby. Mm -hmm. Um, and so we find, we found a hole in kind of the fence and we just kind of walked in and we got to the, um, we've got probably like 50, 30 yards away from the fence where they're letting people through to customs. And at the fence, there were all these Ukrainian border guards with machine guns with like gates, padlocking the gates because people, because it was just so intense that people would have, if they didn't padlock the gates, people would have rushed them Mm. and, you know, wow, created like a mob or whatever it is. But anyway, um, so we're sitting there waiting and about two 30, this random man next to me looks at me, goes, do you have a baby? And I said, yes. And he goes, how old's your baby? And I wasn't thinking at this point, you know, we hadn't slept. I hadn't slept in like two days, two and a half. And he's, I'm like three days old and she wasn't, she was only two or no, she was, yeah, she was two. And he starts yelling, Three day old baby, three day old baby. And so the whole crowd starts yelling, three day old baby. And they start pushing me through. Mm. And I I didn't have I didn't know this was gonna happen. So I was wearing my purse only and didn't have the backpack. I didn't have the formula. I didn't have my passport. I didn't have my passport. All I had was me and the baby in my, my purse, my strap body purse, which didn't have anything I needed in it, um, except my cell phone. And they pushed me through, they pushed me all the way to the front of the line. And then the, the border guard saw that I had a baby. And the next time they opened the gate, they let me through, mm-hmm. but my husband, they didn't let him come forward with me. They, they cut him off and kept him, kept him, kept him in the crowd. Wow. Cause the crowd was very unforgiving, but they let me through. And I remember I looked at this, people were pushing me from behind, mm-hmm. pushing me forward. And I remember looking at this lady as I was being pushed forward and she had like a three-year-old and a five-year-old. And she looked at me carrying the baby 
And then she looked at her kids and you could tell she didn't want to let me buy. Mm-hmm. But then, sorry, that was, I'd always be sad when I say that, but um, then she did let me buy. And then mm-hmm. I went through. And then when I got to the other side of the gate for a while, I thought my husband was going to be able to pass. And then like an hour passed and I was like, this, the baby had just eaten when we got in there. And I was like, I don't think my husband's going to get through. So I was standing in line with the baby and I, I looked at the people behind me and I was like, hi, do you guys speak English? And they're like, yeah, we're, we're, we're American citizens. It's like, oh my gosh, you are. That's, I was like, oh my gosh, that's amazing. I was like, um, I need to go to the gate. Can you say my spot in the customs line? Cause this is how, you know, you have to go through customs to get into another country. So we were in the Polish customs lines. They're like, yeah, sure. So I say my spot, I went to the gate and my husband's tall. So he could see me walk up and, and I looked at him and I did the bottle sign, you know, like the baby needs a bottle, which I knew he knew what I meant. So he was still really far back in the crowd, but he took the backpack with the formula and the water in it and passed it over the crowd to me. Wow. And then I know. And then, um, and then, so I went and fed the baby and then the line kept moving a little bit and I was getting closer to the front. I was getting close to the front. I was like, I'm going to need my passport. I'm going to need the diapers. Like I'm going to need the paperwork, the birth certificate. So I went back and then he passed me the the small carry-on suitcase that had the diapers and the wipes and the baby's clothes in it. Passed that over top. And then I brought that back. And then finally I was really at the front of the line. I was like, I was like, I need my passport. And I, he knew my husband's you know, intuitive. He could figure it out. He knew I was going to need my passport. So I was like, just pass it over. So he passed my American passport and the baby's birth certificate over the top of the crowd. And, you know, nobody took it. Wow. So, I mean, this was, went through probably like 50 hands too. It wasn't like, oh it was gosh. just like 10 people. I'm picturing um, this. It lo- it's in my head. I'm like picturing it like it's a movie. I know it's so crazy. So at this point I have my passport and I've been standing outside with the baby. It's like two, two thirty three in the afternoon. I've been standing outside with the baby since nine 30 holding her. And so I see this little side room by customs that's, you know, guarded by these Ukrainian border guards with like automatic rifles. And so, but people were kind of going in with it who had kids and stuff. So I went up to the board border guards and this point I was crying and I had held it together pretty well until this point but it was just the fact that I didn't know what was going to happen to my husband mm-hmm. I'm going to be okay and but I was super worried about my husband right um and so I go up to the side room where the training guards are and I was crying and I asked him I was like I have I told him I gestured because you know they don't they speak mainly Russian um I motioned to him that I had a baby and asked him if I could go inside the side room. And they looked at me and they go, is the baby? He said in English, he goes, is the baby dead? Mm. And oh my, I know. And I started crying more. I was like, well, not yet. But if you don't let me in, she might be because I had been holding her in the, the baby carrier mm-hmm. and she was, you know, 
on her back in the baby carrier and it was one of the sling ones mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it was against my body but um, not skin to skin or anything like that yeah and I was like not yet but the reality of the situation was he wouldn't have been surprised if the baby was dead mm. but oh it was so gosh. cold out wow and we had you know it was just very a traumatic situation even for the border guards yeah my told me later that he was talking to one of the border guards who was a woman and she spoke English and she said to him, she's like, I don't know what I'm going to do right now. Like I have two, two young children who are at home with my husband. Mm -hmm. I don't know what I'm going to do with my kids. Yeah. You know? Wow. And so finally we got through customs. Um, the Polish custom guards were so nice. As soon as they saw I was carrying a baby, the Ukrainian guard, customs guards were overwhelmed so they didn't rush me through because you had to go to the Ukrainian guards first and then to the Polish guards okay um the Ukrainian guards did not rush me through which is why I was standing in line for from you know I finally got across the border from Ukraine and walked into Poland right about 4 4 30 okay and it, the sun was setting and it's actually a beautiful sunset I took a photo and once I got to the Ukrainian part or the Polish part of customs there were a lot of women and they saw that I was carrying a baby and they just they said they motioned for me to come through and they brought me on us they brought me um on the back side of customs so I could go mm -hmm. in mm -hmm. and then they were so nice to me they brought me into a room they let me sit, they told me to sit down they brought me water like oh, yeah oh, no. And then finally we get out and I had met my American friends at this point. So they were with me and they were, you know, helping me do like, they helped me carry, since I got the carry on with the baby stuff, they carried that for me. And they helped me with the backpack that had the formula and the water in it. Um, they carried that for me too, because it's really hard. You can't really carry, carry everything. Right. Yeah. No, for sure. So um, then we get into Poland, which is the city's name is Pretzmiel and okay. little tiny border town. It's tiny. And the Ukrainian people had set up so many things. They had like soup stations. They had charging stations. Nice. They had, or the Polish people, sorry, set up soup stations, uh, charging stations. They had um, American Red Cross workers, or just not American, but the Red Cross workers. Mm -hmm. Okay, so at this point, we crossed the border, and this random person came up to me. And my American friends were also Ukrainian-American, so they spoke Russian, Ukrainian, and I don't know, some other languages. So Polish, the girl spoke Polish, too. So this man came up to us, started speaking to us in Polish, and I didn't know what he was saying. And she's told me, she's like, he, he's an, he's a Red Cross worker. He can give you a ride to where we need to go. Cause my mom, I've been corresponding a little bit with her, but I didn't have much battery left, but she knew I'd made some American friends. So she wouldn't got, had got them a hotel room nice. at the same hotel yeah. because at the border at Pritzmeal, um, if I'm saying that correctly, there weren't any hotels left. So it wasn't like you could stay there. So the we told the driver where the hotel was and he drove us um, an hour and a half to get to our hotel. Wow. And so we all got in the car and my American friends had been standing outside. 
since the night before to get across the border because their family was lives in Lviv. Mm-hmm. And so they had gone over there to visit family when the war broke out. And so um, they drove us to our hotel. We stayed the night. Um, my phone had died at this point in time, but our driver was so nice. He didn't want to drive us to our hotel. He's like, I have a wife. I have a kid. I have a house. You stay with me. With him. That's so kind. Yeah, he was so kind. And I I took a picture with him too, because he was just so nice. Um, I tried to document this journey because crazy that I lived through this. And then, so um, anyway, so at this point in time, we get to the hotel. um, I my phone died. He bought me a charger. I charged my phone. And by the time I got my phone charged, I found out my husband had made it across. Oh, and good. My husband had made it across is because my mom found a contact at the U.S. State Department. She'd been on the phone the whole day. Oh, uh, yeah. We left and she found Clifford at the State Department who, uh-huh. who knew some of the Ukrainian border guards. Oh, wow. Ran- called yeah. the u.s border guards who called jacob and my husband was on his last battery they called him right before his phone died and they got him across oh and he had goodness. been an off um airplane mode just because he had no battery and um he did have a satellite phone but that's a different story but they called him and they they put him across the backside. Mm. Um, by the time my husband got to the the hotel it was it was uh midnight so we had been separated for about 10 hours at this point so um but it was crazy because but at this point he had lost all our luggage because it was just he couldn't carry it because it was there's the crowd was too crowded and wouldn't let you through the crowd if you had bags so he just yeah. left it all so when he got to the hotel we had diapers and baby clothes, thankfully, and formula and water, which, you know, that's the most important stuff. But we had no clothes of our own. Mm-hmm. So the first thing I did when I got to the hotel, I changed the baby, you know, made sure she was okay. The, our hotel room had two double beds. So I made the one, the baby bed on one of the twin sides beds. I took a shower and my clothes smelled horrible. Because everybody was so close to each other mm-hmm. in like death pit by the border gate. That's what the Ukrainian Americans called it, the death pit. Because mm-hmm. that's my clothes smell like body odor and it's just uh, so stinky. But I get out of the shower and I went and looked for my clothes and I was like, oh my gosh, I don't have any clothes. Mm-hmm. Just so random. Yeah. So the next day, we hire a driver, take us, it was a Saturday at this point. Um, our baby was born on Tuesday. So this was quite a couple of days. Yeah. We found a driver, take us to Warsaw. And, you know, it's really weird being American because you're just driving in the car, holding a baby, mm-hmm. you know, we didn't, mm-hmm. have the car we didn't take the car seat when we left Val, our driver, our Polish driver, our Ukrainian driver. And so we're driving to Poland and, I had so many people who texted me and reached out that um, I just posted a Facebook update and I didn't realize my stories were shareable. Mm-hmm. Um, and I posted that between our hotel, which was in the countryside of Poland to Warsaw. It was just like a two 
four hour drive, something like that. So I just posted that update just for our friends and family because I couldn't text everybody back. Mm-hmm. And I was too traumatized to text everybody back. And I also wanted to write down what I felt because I needed to to express my feelings and like kind of document and remember what had happened because it was so uh, unexpected. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so I wrote it and um, I turned on my phone because I didn't, I was just like, I just need to not do anything for a minute. And then we get to our hotel room, we check in, we eat. I look at my phone again. I had like thousand likes and my posts have been shared like a thousand times. Oh my goodness. Just, I'd look at it a little bit later. It's like 2000 times my posts have been shared. And I looked at it again and like, by the time it was all said and done, it had been shared like 10,000 times. Wow. And then all of a sudden, the next thing I knew, we're getting all these calls from the media and it's just wildest thing and like my husband and I are so traumatized at this point like we can barely like you know make sense of what just happened but we are literally bombarded by like CBS CNN Fox News like I mean everybody um we got we didn't get good we had good morning America but then they ended up going to someone it was so crazy wow yeah and then we finally we did all these like news for northwest Arkansas and NBC LA and like it was just so wild and then by the time we finally got home which is a week later because the baby had to be um seven days old or it was we left on um we left Poland on a Wednesday um by the time we left the media companies reached out to my husband. They're like, we want to film you coming back into LAX. What time's your flight arriving? Oh my gosh. Drawing the line at this. Nobody's going to film us coming back into LAX. And so, but anyway, and this is something I forgot to mention too. The U.S. Embassy was so kind to us because we got into Warsaw on a Saturday and they actually opened the U.S. They actually opened the U.S. Embassy on a Sunday Okay. And and helped process Vivian's temporary passport for us so we could, you know, get yeah. out, get home. Mm-hmm. Wow. So. I feel like your story has such an amazing mix of, you know, all of the scary things. And obviously it was, you know, a war was coming. And so there's all this dark, but then there's all these stories of individual kindnesses of so many people. So That's how I feel too. yeah, I, I mean, and it wasn't just one person, it was multiple people all the way across your story, which I think is yeah. amazing. Like our, the nurses at the hospital, our driver Val, who drove us to the border, my American friends, um, the, the Polish crossing guards, yeah. the driver who drove us from, uh, oh yeah. And the driver who drove us from the border to our hotel in Poland, I tried to pay him. I was like, can I please pay you for driving us? And he's like, no, Poland's been invaded before. We know how it's like. This is my kindness to you. Oh my goodness. That's such so good to hear. So good people in the world. Yeah. It's true. Yeah. And And like even the the U.S. Embassy opened for us on a Sunday, you know? Yeah. So. That is quite the story. So you came home when Vivian was about a week old. Yeah. Just eight days we got on the plane. Family was so happy to have you guys back 
safe. Yeah, they were. So it was, I mean, it's just wild. It's sorry. It kind of gave you a long version of the story. No, it's a very exciting and unique story. And as Vivian gets older, she is going to have quite the story of her birth. I'm sure she'll love hearing that (laughs) told to her in whatever version you want to give depending on how old she is. So yeah. We'll Well, tell her. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that is so amazing. And thank you so much for sharing it. When I'd heard your story on the other podcast, I just thought I have to have her on because that is an incredible story. So I appreciate you sharing it with us. That was fun. Sorry I I talked to you so much. No, you did great. I have one (laughs) last question that I ask everyone, every mom on the podcast. And it is, if you could have one day to go anywhere and do anything, it could be by yourself with your family, whatever you want to pick, where would you go and what would you do? Oh, this is a good question. Um, where would I go? What would I do? Well, I'll tell you what I really want to do right now. I Perfect. really want to go to the Disney Alani Resort in Hawaii with the kids. Oh, that is that. Now, what island is that on? Do you know? I think it's 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 on the main island. It's oh, on. Oh, that would be it's awesome. In, yeah. Have you I ever been so. to Hawaii before? Mm-hmm. I the have, kids have but- not. The kids have not. <laughs> yeah, that's the way we are. We have, my husband and I have been just for a real short trip, but the kids have not. And that is something we hope to do in the next couple of years. Oh, so good. that, that sounds great. So and I've heard some amazing things about like that resort. So I really wanted to see that. That's my, that's what I do. Perfect. I love it. So. Well, thank you so much again for sharing your story. I am so glad that you had kindness along the way and that it had such a happy ending for you. Oh, Um, thank you. Of course. And so, um, yeah, just thanks for chatting and thanks for having me. Really enjoyed hearing from you. Thanks. You too. Have a great day. This episode is sponsored by my books. I have self published two books. The first is called Learning to Breathe, and that is our NICU journey with our twins born at 24 weeks. For more information on this, you can check out episode one. And my second book is called The NICU Mama Survival Guide. So I'm a pelvic floor physical therapist. One of the things I specialize in is postpartum rehab. And despite that, when I had my kids in the NICU, I did not even consider my postpartum rehab because I was so focused on my kids in the NICU. Years later, I realized NICU moms can still take care of themselves and their recovery, and they can do it all without leaving their baby's bedside. And my book explains how. Find both books today on Amazon. Thanks for joining us today on the Mama Sisterhood podcast. If you like what you hear, please hit subscribe so you don't miss out on any extraordinary motherhood journeys. Also, I would really appreciate it if you could take a second to rate and review. This helps me reach more moms. See you next week.